Welcome to Off The Cut, a podcast where we talk about building, making, and answering all of your questions. I'm Eric from Spensley Design Co. And I'm Zach from Zach Builds. If you have a question that you would like us to answer on air, you can send it to offthecutpodcast at gmail.com. You can find both of us on YouTube, Instagram, and unfortunately, because we have to keep up with kids, you can find us on TikTok too. All right, now let's get into the show. Good evening, everyone. I feel like I nailed the uh, the talking to audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good, but then now you ruined it. That's all right. Uh, (laughs) Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Off the Cut episode fifty five. For my two friends up in Toronto, today is known as Tuesday, March seventh, twenty twenty three. But here in Ohio, today is respectfully dedicated to the food of the day, flapjacks. But enough flapjack talk. We've got a special guest on the show tonight. He is. When he is not unbelievably frustrated by Air Canada for losing his bags, he's spending multiple days breaking into safes only to find that they're completely empty. Our first returning guest, Scott Walsh is back, everybody. Hi. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey. What's a flapjack? Eh, it's a pancake. Oh. Yeah, is there, is there any actual difference? I don't know. I can look it up. Flapjack versus pancake. Or maybe anybody Uh, in the live stream can let us know. No difference between the two. Okay, Okay. branding it is. But it's not National Pancake Day, just to be clear. Yes. No. That's next month. Okay. (laughs) When's National Pancake Day? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's your your show. I don't know. I I don't research this stuff ahead of time. It shows. So let's uh, get uh, let's get the uh, administrative things out of the way and get right to the meat. We okay. got back from WorkbenchCon, and we've got a boatload of things to talk about. So many so, things. First things, let's get our new patrons out of the way. We got a new rigid fan, Gene O'Neill, and nice. we've got a returning top tier patrons, Dadu, Luke Schmidt, oh, which by the way we met him, mm-hmm. uh, Derek Jennings at Pecan Tree Designs, Corey Duvall, Jason Price at Priceless Pro Designs. Scott Eastman at EC's Woodshop, and holy smokes, this guy is having one hell of a time with his banking account, our power cocker, formerly known as Wes. Well, I don't know if you saw, but Wes went in and he edited the amounts of money that he gives us every month, so it's a custom amount now. Okay. And so I think the power cocker level is $50 normally. I think so. So he's now giving us fifty dollars and sixty nine cents. Nice, touche. Evidently, nice. Wes has a sense of humor on him. So I, get, I get an alert every single time that somebody like subscribes or whatever, and I must have gotten a message from Patreon fifteen times for Wes. So, dude, yeah. whatever's going on, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, administrative things out of the way. We just got back from WorkbenchCon, guys. Uh-huh. How was it? I mean, it was great. Uh, uh, yeah, I had, I a, had a blast. Time. Yeah, it was so good. Got to talk to so many people. So many people came up and talked to us, and we learned a lot. At least I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of meeting people, shout out to Simon, who's in the live chat right now. It's great meeting him over the weekend. Yeah. So, a quick little story about Simon and I's uh, workbench con. So, we agreed to room together. Mm-hmm. And I asked him twice if he snored, and he <laughs> he, he answered twice to me. No, I don't snore. Sure enough, first night he snores. Mm-hmm. Second night he snores. 
third night, he snores even louder. So it, as if we didn't have enough sleep as it was, but then I had to contend with that. So here, Here's the thing about people who snore. They will defend till their death. They will tell you to their death that they don't snore. Every single one. I have never met a single person who admits to the fact that they snore. Oh, I do. If, I, oh. if I'm on my back, I snore. Really? I, did, yeah. I didn't hear you. But Eric and I shared a room for everybody wondering. Yeah. So the, the night one, Zach and I get there and we're like, oh, it's like 3.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you look at me, you're like, all right, is there any weird things I need to know about you while you sleep? <laughs> yeah, yeah, give so. me, let me know about all the night terrors and stuff like that up front. So I'm not w- woken up in the middle of the night by you shaking me to, uh, yeah. I don't know, like calling there's, me your commanding officer ghost. or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, Scott, you should have told me because I brought earplugs just in case. I, I, oh, I yeah. used to sleep with earplugs like back in college, but like I can't do that now. That's very uncomfortable. I sleep oh. with um, sound canceling headphones in every night. Every Ooh. night? Every night. Is your condo that bad? No, my girlfriend loves rain sounds though, and I'm not a huge fan of the rain sounds, so the noise canceling headphones just pop it, like take it down. I, I could oh. be down for some rainforest action. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it all the time, but some nights I'm just like, I need silence. Mm. True. I, honestly, every single night at WorkbenchCon, I felt like I got in my room, I hit the pillow, and then I just like woke up and I was like, oh, uh, okay, we're back at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, did you and Simon do the thing where you got back to the room? at like 3 a.m. or whatever it was, and then just immediately start talking for another 45 minutes? Oh, okay. Nope. Just Eric and I. You, you know, you want to know why? Why? Because Suman went to bed early every night, and every right. single night I came in trying to creep in, but inevitably knocking things over and waking him up. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, Suman was a little bit more responsible than the rest of us to yeah. generates. I think Suman was more excited to for, to go to WorkbenchCon so he can get a good night's sleep away from right. his baby. So Right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. Zach. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I know where he's going with this. <laughs> okay. So, Zach, Scott, and I, plus Suman, we're all going to meet at the airport because our flights landed within about an hour or so of each other. Yep. And so, in the morning, I text Scott and Zach, and, and I was like, hey, what's your flight number? Just so, like, I can track it, and if it gets delayed or whatever, like, I know what's going on because if they're in the air, can't get a hold of them. But Zach texts us, like, an hour before his flight's supposed to take off. And he's like mm-hmm. something along the lines of sigh. I woke up <laughs> late. Um, i like missed my flight. So what happens? Zach? Defend yourself. So, yeah. Okay. So morning or night before I say, um, okay. Oh, I don't want to actually say it cause I don't want to actually trip anybody's device, but okay. Hey, electronic Siri. assistant <laughs> set an alarm for five 30 in the morning. It confirms. It's like, yep, alarm is set. So go to sleep. Smash cut to the next morning. I open my eyes and I can immediately see that it's light out. And I register that's a problem instantly. So I jump out of bed. My girlfriend's going to drive me to the airport. So I wake her up. I'm like, we got to go right now. It's 730 a.m., which is when I that's my normal wake up time. 
And uh, the yeah, Simon's saying the noise canceling headphones worked on the alarm. I don't think that's what it is. I think that it was on at a low volume, and I just it eventually just stopped ringing or whatever. Uh, anyways, get to the airport. 8 a.m. for a 9 a.m. flight. Maybe it was like 8.05 or something like that, but pretty good time. I, I quickly, I'm on my way to the check-in counter. I see the security line. It's very short. I'm like, you know what? I think I got a chance here. I think I can actually do this. Go to the check-in counter. No line. Again, perfect. Right to the counter. The woman behind the counter informs me that I am too late to attempt checking in. And so I say, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can reach. He says, no, our policy is that we don't allow people to check in this close to the flight. It's like, okay, it's kind of BS, but you know, whatever. Airlines have the rules. I accept it. I, uh, I go off to the side for a second. I kind of contemplate what I'm going to do. Pull out my phone. Now I'm looking at like, you know, uh, getting uh, new tickets to get to Atlanta and then I have a thought. I'm like, oh, you know, I should check with the, the gate attendant and make sure that this isn't going to in any, in any way affect my return ticket. So mm-hmm. I go up to her. I ask her, uh, hey, uh, is the, you know, missing this first flight, is that going to affect my return ticket in any way? Oh, no, no problem. Okay. So I go back over to the little bench. I book a one-way ticket to Atlanta and... You know, I sat in the airport bar, probably had four or five drinks and worked on some scripts and killed about eight hours in the airport, got on a flight and came to Atlanta and met you guys. I have a question. Yes. Did you already check in like the day prior, like on the on the website? No. Oh, that was a big that was a huge mistake on my part because I would have made the flight had I done that. Yeah, I was getting into bed at like 10 p.m. the night before and I was thinking, oh, I didn't check in. You know, okay, yeah, I was thinking, I didn't check in. I was like, ah, you know what? I'll do it in the car on the way to the airport tomorrow morning. Mm. That was my that was my plan. And it's funny because I tried to check into the flight forty eight hours beforehand, and like, no, it's too early. You have to wait twenty four hours more, yeah. and then you can check in. Scott, it's interesting how when more information about this event comes to light we now realize that it is 100 percent zach's fault <laughs> i mean i wasn't gonna say it but you did so <laughs> well, well so- yeah look i i will admit the missing the first flight totally on me like i should have set two alarms i should have been up earlier the part where they screwed me over was when i asked the gate agents Will this affect my return trip? Because I'm smart. I know that airlines have their weird rules. I know that they're like, you know, they love bureaucracy and all this fun stuff. So it's like, there's a chance that this might affect it. So I better get verbal confirmation because I was about to buy another second round trip. But based on the information they gave me, I just bought a one-way trip Mm. to Atlanta. Well, from my perspective, I got to the gate at a pretty okay time. Mm-hmm. and you weren't there. And mm-hmm. I think I responded to uh, Eric's message about, oh, the, here's our flight. Well, you know, Zach's not here yet. And then I'm like, as time goes on, I'm like, 
double I'm questioning myself if I'm at the right gate. I check my boarding pass, I look at the sign above the gate, and I'm like, yeah, it's the right one. And then another half hour goes by. I'm like, I don't know, Zach's not here. Maybe I'm wrong. And so like I look at my ticket and I look at the sign and I'm like, Yeah, I'm in the right spot. And it was when I stood up to board is when you texted. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I I still hold that I could have made it because we were texting for quite a while. Like I I was I you didn't go dark on the text until like, you know, maybe nine o'clock or something like that. And by that point, I had already booked my next flight, walked around the airport for a little bit. I went over my second flight was actually in another terminal. It was in terminal three, I think. So I got on the SkyTrain, I went over to Terminal Three, did all that stuff, checked into my next flight and was getting ready to go when you went dark. So I was I was was positive I could have made it through security. Had they just printed my boarding pass? So, are are we going to talk about the return trip home first, or are we going to just launch into our workbench con chronologically? Yeah, it's I up don't to know, you guys. What what do we want? Should we uh, go chronological? Yeah. So it, yeah. this is a cliffhanger because Zach clearly has a story that's not finished yet. Yes, there's much more to the story, but let's talk about a little bit of work. Let's talk about some positive stuff because I'm I'm over the negative for for okay. the moment. This is like the negativity sandwich with the positivity in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, it's like the reverse thing that you're supposed to do if you're in management, right? Correct. Yeah. So Scott and I, Scott Suman and I get there. First of all, trying to figure out where the hell to meet you guys in the airport was a nightmare. Second of all, Eric had the most hot pink suitcase oh, you could yeah. possibly imagine. So yeah. he stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. yeah. I love that suitcase, dude. That thing comes off at the baggage claim. And I'm just like, that's it. That's me. Did you buy that or did Miranda buy that? Oh, God. It's uh, definitely that, Eric. It's got to be almost 20 years old. <laughs> it's, but that doesn't uh, answer it, my question. I got to know. <laughs> no, so, no, no. My er- Eric bought. said he bought it oh. when he was 10 years old. No, I didn't buy my. Come on, I'm not a millionaire. I can't afford to buy luggage. <laughs> Why so, is luggage so expensive? It's because it's like toilet paper or razor blades. Yeah, my, and mine broke, and mine's a pretty good one. True. Yeah, yeah the whole time Scott's wrestling the handle. <laughs> my suitcase <laughs> is destroyed. Drop kicking it, it won't go in. And uh, yeah, but. I tried to stamp it down with my foot, but I yep. couldn't get that handle to retract. Nope. So, as someone who's never been to WorkbenchCon, I had no idea what to expect. So, we roll up, get an Uber. Finally, after we, we found each other in the airport, get an Uber. We get to the hotel, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty slick. It's a big, like, square hotel. The whole inside of it is hollowed out where they have, like, mm-hmm. the lobby and stuff like that. And you just, boom, you just walk right straight up to the stuff at WorkbenchCon. What I wasn't prepared for for is pretty much as soon as you walk in we're like all right we're gonna go throw our stuff in the room you come downstairs and that is when workbench con starts because there is nothing going on on that thursday night but there is everything going on on that thursday night (laughs) you get into the lobby and you're just immediately striking up conversation with people talk to people somebody randomly is like hey you want to go grab dinner? You meet up with some random group of people and you go out to dinner. And you do that kind of thing until three in the morning. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's impossible to walk 
10 feet without somebody grabbing you and being like, mm-hmm. hey, like we've been talking online for years. Like, how's it going, man? So nice to meet you in person. And right. Then, right. Then you just, you know, then you have a 30 minute conversation with that person about whatever social media platform or whatever content strategy or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, um, Woodworkers and makers tend to be a little bit more reclusive and introverted people. But yeah. then when you just toss a bunch of people with the same uh, same passions and stuff like that, immediately everyone just like blossoms and just has a has a great time talking about whatever. Because there's people talking about, you know, woodworking techniques and making, and then there's people talking about content creation and photography and technical stuff and then there's business stuff and everyone's talking about making money and stuff so there's just so much to talk about and i feel like inhibitions just kind of like go out the window and everyone's just loving it yeah and what i thought the coolest was it like when people would come up and introduce themselves or you would go introduce yourself to people no one ever asked like Oh, how many followers or whatever do you have before I start talking to you? No one cares. Like, really? I was asking everybody that. <laughs> it's not five digits. Get the fuck away from me. Oh, there's the explicit. Oh, I, feel, I feel like a few people asked far. me too. Uh, you know, people who didn't know. What? How many followers do you have? Yeah, I got asked really? a few times. Oh, wow. A couple oh, times, okay. I think. Okay. Maybe that was when I was talking to like companies or something. I can't remember. Yeah, a couple, a couple of the companies were kind of curious. They would always be like, "So, what's your, what's your handle?" And then they would look and they like, you know, based on your follower count, they would like react differently and be like more enthused about talking with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I talked to a single brand. I talked no, no, to no. one. I take it back. I talked to Whitney and Nikki from Craig because I've been mm-hmm. working with them for like two years. So I just want to finally introduce myself. Mm-hmm. I talked to the girls from Total Boat again because I've been working with them for a while. And then yep. I don't know. We were we were running around that uh, CNC thing. We were just chatting with the guys for a moment. But other than that, I mean, like I wasn't really there to talk to the brands. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel, too. I had one brand I wanted to talk to, which is Oneida. So we're still oh, talking. Yeah. Nice, okay. nice. Yeah. You gonna get okay. a good uh, little dust collector out of that? I don't know. We'll see. We're we're talking. What's the what's do they have uh, like a good compact unit or are they all super huge? No, they have some really compact stuff. I mean, Oneida makes the Dust Deputy too, which is like for your shop vac. And right. Then they yeah. have a few smaller ones, a few medium ones, and they I think they also have some like massive industrial stuff too. So they have a good range. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to push them now because they're not paying me yet. Yeah, yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Oneida. I actually Dust have uh, Oneida, but it's it's massive. Oh, it, yeah. It kind of sucks. Well, it's like it's old. It's it's probably like ten years old at this point. So I cut it a little bit of slack, but yeah, it's not the not the best. I mean, it's a dust collector. What more do you want from it? Uh, I okay. Well, you know what? So uh, let's do this because. It has a completely opaque dust collection system, and it's impossible to know if it's full. So it fills up all the time, and then it backs up on itself, and it's like horrible for the motor and the filter. So, mm. and it's also really hard. The latch to get the dust collection bin off of it is really hard to actuate. Um, so it's just kind of a pain in the ass to check it. I think you have a, an overfill sensor accessory you could add on to that. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. But I'm hashtag cheating, so. not sponsored. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get your affiliate codes. I know. Hurry up, because yeah. I'm selling them already. 
<laughs> so, 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 what? Thursday night they had a was there a was there a party that night? No, there was a beginners thing. I can't remember. I thought they had a, there was a mixer on Friday night. They had like drinks and stuff, or on Thursday night. Did they? No, that was Friday. I can't remember. Was that man. Friday and Saturday? I think it was. I don't Friday and Saturday. I don't. No, you know, you're it? right. It was Thursday, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there wasn't one on Saturday. After the like the final closing ceremonies or whatever, we were just kind of cut loose. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Thursday night, after some people had dinner or whatever, um, they had like a little party thing. So it's like you walk into the main room. They got, uh, they got a bar. You can meet and greet with uh, brands and whatnot. And it's just there to just hang out and chill. Pro tip. If you know somebody who's handing out the tickets, you just ask for more mm-hmm. and they'll set you up. <laughs> and a second pro tip, if you don't know them, just walk out and walk back in again. Right. Oh, right. true. Yeah. <laughs> Worked for me. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say shout out to our uh, one of our listeners, Bailey. Actually, he's a patron mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah, he's a patron. Yeah. What am I saying? Uh, he gave us a couple extra drink tickets. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very nice of them. Um, so then, you know, we were we hung out that night. We did we did some stuff. Met a bunch of cool people. Uh, Chit chatted. Stayed up till like two, three in the morning. Friday morning, mm-hmm. we get up. We all have a little breakfast thing. And this was the, I thought this was kind of neat because you look around the room, and everybody just kind of sat at random tables. Yeah. Like it was a huge mix of you know, big players in the space to people you've never heard of in your life to people are like, I'm not even in the content game. I'm just here to meet people. And like these tables were so mixed up with people, which was really cool. I did notice one line that people tended to divide along. And what was that? I I would say the platform that you are most passionate about. Like YouTubers kind of tended to stick with YouTubers, Instagram people with Instagram people. And yeah, there's a little bit of like a, like a TV tribe too going on, which I noticed, which was interesting. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But I mean, everyone's super nice. So if you want to go like, yeah, there's kind of like a little bit of like a click going on here and there, but like you can always just butt in. Like that's that's the whole point. Right. hundred percent. Right. And I mean, honestly, unless it's a one-on-one conversation, if there's a group of four or five people and you just walk up and you just literally butt in, like nobody's going to be like, hey, get out of this conversation. <laughs> like you might get yeah. some social cues of like, who's this person or whatever. But I mean, just engage in the conversation. Yeah, totally. So then after breakfast, we did, we started breaking off into classes. Do you guys remember the first class you went to? Uh I didn't go to a class that morning. I just hung out in the lobby. Okay, okay. So, Zach, you and I went to that creative ways to monetize your business, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. With Scott from Craftsman's blog? Yes. I So, I was, wasn't familiar with Scott going into that. Either. Um, but evidently, making a good, good, uh, good little income from right, his various right. uh, platforms. And that one was actually really eye-opening because he talked a lot about monetizing his blog. Right. Um, which So what was the name of the, uh, that ad placement software that he was using? Ad Thrive. 
AdThrive. So AdThrive is uh, ad pla- uh, ad buyer or ad placement service. Ad but placement. um, yeah, something like that. But basically, they go to your blog. If you get good traffic on your blog, they'll buy space on it and start placing ads on it. And they pay multiples more than Google AdSense from from the sounds of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I looked into it. I wasn't quite there. You have to get a hundred thousand page views a month. Okay. And I'm at like 40,000. Okay. So I guess so I'm not he, eligible. He also said there was another one too that maybe was would work with people who didn't quite have the traffic. Uh, that yeah. The ads I looked needed. into some other ones. I want to say that it's like Isia or something. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. But there I was also another one from Sam from DIY Hunters. She told me about it. I'm f- totally forgetting the name of it. It did have a threshold, but it wasn't crazy. But it was much, okay. be- much better than AdSense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I th- honestly, the most, the thing that like stuck out to me was how everyone was so open about like success, failures. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, monetary compensation. And it totally. wasn't in the form of, oh, look at me. Look how much money I'm making. It was like, hey, I'm doing really well on this platform. Maybe you should consider doing this as a revenue stream you know what i mean yeah i think we'll we'll uh we'll get to brad's class a little later on i think because i right, think that right. was an eye-opener for a lot of people so yeah. i think for us that the creative way is to monetize your business class was all about kind of like uh, um like ad placement ways mm-hmm. to just think of doing something slightly different Yep. Um, he also talks a lot about products that he was bringing to market and not even full products necessarily. Like he was taking off the shelf products, tweaking them slightly and then repackaging them and selling them sometimes in collaboration with an existing brand and sometimes on his own, which I thought was really cool. Right. And, and his thought was kind of like, Hey, if you've already made something for yourself, like say you're building a project and you make yourself a cut list. Well, that's valuable. Like, sell it. What things have you already produced for yourself that you can literally just list online and, and make profit off of those things. So there's, you know, just some creative ideas of things like Mm. that. Um, yeah, with the back to the advertising thing too, I had a conversation with Brad Rodriguez last workbench con and he was really, um, he was suggesting that I should get a website going Mm -hmm. (laughs) flash forward a year later. I still don't have a website going, but I'm a little bit closer to doing that, but I really need to get on that so I can get some ad revenue going from something entirely different than YouTube because he was telling me that I could potentially double what I'm making just from AdSense alone by having a website, you know, yeah. following all the SEO stuff for yeah. uh, uh, for like making video articles, but, you know, linking them to from the video to the website, but also making sure that those articles show up on Google search. And just from that and just having a few ads on each article can like be actually a, a quite a pronounced difference. So hmm. I still need to get on that. Yeah, I've wanted to do that for quite some time, but I just don't have the time to write articles. Right. So yeah. and actually, yeah. nor do I enjoy it. Yeah, yes. no, but it doesn't need to be great. Like what I've been doing in my free time and I've, I've had help from my girlfriend doing this too is taking my video script and just paraphrasing it into basically a build article or yeah. a, a video article. And it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be a summary of what the, the build is. And then, in, you know, if you have plans to go with that video, boom, right there. If you have yep. any, any other details you want to go in, uh, it's a perfect place to do it. 
So I need to do that. Actually, a conversation I had with uh, Sam again from DIY Huntress, uh, she hired a virtual assistant to help her with that. And she said it was so worth it to pay someone else to do these little things like uh, making articles for your website and things like that. So it's definitely, that's definitely a, a financial area that I really need to make sure I'm capitalizing on in the future. Okay. Uh, uh, Dadu in the comments just said he, website creation is his thing. So I'll, Dadu, I will definitely be in contact with you because I, I know I need to get on that. I learned a lot of things at WorkbenchCon. I was like, oh, damn, I need to get on that. Oh, damn, I need to I get know. on this. <laughs> I, I think the like above all, though, we all only have a limited bandwidth. And there's right. so many different revenue streams that we could potentially be going after. Yes. But there's only so many hours in the day. You just got to pick your battles and maybe pick the revenue stream that that's a the most secure and long term in the future, and b what's going to be you know actually rewarding. A hundred percent. Right. 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 So let's see, after that first class, we went to lunch, and then there was another class. I think that afternoon, Zach, you and I went to the all you need is a phone with Keith and Jason, right? Yeah. So that class was great, but not for us. I would say. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But there were a lot of people in that class that were like, holy smokes, like this is drinking from a fire hose. Um, I'm learning so much. Thank you for telling me that I don't need to buy a $5,000 camera mm-hmm. to get started. So I think yeah. that was super, super valuable yeah. just for us. We're like, okay, you know, it didn't it didn't hit home for us. Yeah. Not well, that we I expected mean, it to. Here's the thing. I think if either. Well, any one of the three of us wanted to start filming with their phone and editing with an iPad, it would be more work than our current setup. Right. Like I think we all have the workflow kind of down with a, like an external camera that works pretty well, but it's a barrier to entry for a lot of people. So I think it's great for other people to know that that's an option, but I'm pretty good with Adobe premiere. I like my little mirrorless camera, blah, blah, blah. So I won't be changing anytime soon. I wouldn't like to me and to you. Uh, it would be a back st- a back pedal uh, mm-hmm. because we're already we're so good at our workflows now. But yeah, yeah, for sure, barrier of entry sort of thing. I didn't go to the class, but I kind of wanted to go to it just to see Jason and Keith talk for a bit because I think that'd been really fun. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it was packed. I think I looked in. I was like, nope, not going in there. Oh yeah, I, st- I stood the whole time and I hated it. I was like, yeah. my back is killing me right now. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, Subban actually said a very interesting thing during his class. He said, a phone, um, like a DSLR or a mirrorless camera is amazing, but if you're not prepared for it, it'll punish you. Yeah, 100%. And, it, and so, yeah, in that vein, like I think, you know, if you're, if you see a DSLR and you get intimidated by it or you're like, I don't want to learn how to use this thing, yeah, use your phone. It's awesome. Think of it as oh, going like, you, go ahead, Scott, go. Oh, I was just going to say, you would have to buy a pretty decent camera now to outperform what an iPhone can do these days. Yeah. Like, if you're spending 500 bucks on a camera, I don't think that's going to look better than a phone. No. I would argue it probably looks worse. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you'd have to be up in, like, the $1,000 to $1,500 lens and camera combo to get something that looks better than an iPhone now. Which is ironically how much you know how to use it, too. Yes, true. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I, I go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I was just gonna say I I will never poo poo shooting on an iPhone or anything no. like that. It's like 
mirrorless and DSLR, it's like for enthusiasts, if you enjoy it, get one. But otherwise, yeah, go for it with whatever you got. I would equate it to if you've never driven a car before, do you want to get in a stick shift Lamborghini Mm -hmm. or do you want to get in an automatic Toyota Corolla? Yes. You're going to take the you're going to take the Corolla probably. Good analogy, Eric. Hey, (laughs) I'm here for you. Okay, go for it. (laughs) No, no, no. Go for it. I usually use ChatGPT for my analogies. Do they work well? (laughs) Yeah, I get some great ones. Really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I still got to try that out. Yeah, I really uh, haven't messed around with ChatGPT much. I know. Oh, it's great for for scripts. (laughs) Let's get... This is, I think, where the meat came in. So after that, we had a little bit of a break. And then John from Lincoln Street and Cam from Blacktail Studio had their first class. I feel like I've been talking... A lot. So you guys take this, take this one over. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to let Scott cover this because he's so close with John. I feel like he probably saw multiple iterations of that talk before it went up there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so for people who weren't there, give them a, give them a summary or what occurred during that class. Let's see. I have a terrible memory, but so basically John from Lincoln Street Woodworks and Cam from Blacktail Studio, they uh, presented together a class that was all about YouTube, how to get started, what to expect uh, when you're sort of in the middle of your trajectory and so on. So it kind of touched into a little bit about branding, a lot about titles and thumbnails. Mm-hmm. Um, did they, they talked about pacing a little bit at the start too. I think yeah. Cam takes that very seriously. Um, yeah, it was a, an hour and a half of like two people who really understand what's working for them, I guess, and what can work for other people mm-hmm. uh, to make a, a, a successful YouTube channel and to yeah. ensure that you're getting consistent views, video after video after video. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was it's a masterclass basically because Cam is well established as one of the top YouTube channels in the woodworking space and he's getting like a million to 2 million views baseline. And he started off very strong and grew his channel extremely quickly, just like John did from Lincoln street woodworks. His channel grew extremely fast. I mean, he only has like about 20 videos on his channel and he's already well over 200,000 subscribers. And again, his videos are getting like 500,000 views kind of as a baseline. So Mm -hmm. like these two people are, um, know exactly what they're doing. They have, they both have really, strong business skills and strong creative branding skills as well to ensure that people are watching a video that yes. it resonates with them a lot. You know, I was just thinking as you're talking, Scott, uh, Cam gets like a million views as a baseline for a video. And yet he only has 2 million subscribers or so. Like, I mean, I mean, that's a ton of subscribers. Don't get me wrong, but the amount of views he's getting, you'd think he'd be adding like, you know, 100,000 subscribers every month or so. So I wonder if that's kind of like the theoretical top. Like, are there only like 2 million hobbyist woodworkers out there right now? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could think about it that way. But Cam is definitely bringing in a much wider audience than, say, my channel or or John's channel. Because he's appealing to people who just like furniture and stuff like that. Because, like, his thumbnails are just like this beautiful wood slab or something that's attracting more than just woodworking hobbyists. So, 
is has he reached a theoretical ceiling? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, but I think at his point, you have to imagine that he's getting a lot of return viewers as opposed to yes. a lot of new viewers. Viewers, okay. but yes. his videos, his videos are so good that people want to watch him every single time he posts. Yeah, and well, that's kind of what I was like. His return viewer numbers must just be absolutely through the roof because I see channels out there with like 10 million subscribers and they're doing similar numbers to him yeah so yeah it's interesting it's like the home depot what their channel has like what 50 20 50 million viewers or something like that and like a video they put out gets like 17 views (laughs) yeah yeah it's like the subscribers have no 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 correlation to the success of your channel no and when you and when trying when you're trying to financially leverage your channel your subscribers means very little when it when it actually comes to put a dollar value on your channel. Yeah, totally. So they look yeah. at what your average views are or what your sort of baseline views are because that's mm-hmm. a number they can run to the bank with versus yes. subscribers is... It's a vanity metric, really. Yeah. It could get the conversation started, but yeah. it's not going to close the deal. You're yeah. not closing it. Yeah, I mean, we all know that. When we're negotiating with brands, it's how many views are you going to get? Like... And then when they want to negotiate, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to pay you X amount if you hit this many views, Y amount if you hit this many views. It's like all the brand cares about is the views. They don't care about the subscribers when it comes yeah. to negotiating a specific deal. And yeah. when you when you are really gung-ho on, on, um, on sponsors for videos, um, that's when it really matters. And that's why when I was looking for an agent to represent me and my channel, I actually unlisted a video that was like, a little pimple on my video page because I was getting like a hundred thousand, 200,000, 300,000 views consistently. And then there was this one video that was like 19,000 that looked terrible right in the middle of it. Right. So I actually unlisted it because it just, it looked terrible uh, to sponsors. Yeah. Fair. It's fair. It's very fair. I've considered doing that. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. Not a hundred percent sure. You can always relist it. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's true. Eric's already got his agent, so. Yeah, but yeah, then but, I mean, still how much he help. can value your, yeah, it would still matter true. to how much he can value your channel at. True. I mean, it's a little true. bit deceitful in a way, but I mean, as long as you're not doing every other video, like I just did the one. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fair. I think the other thing that was very helpful for me in that class is, and I know this is probably way above, you know, way up there for some other folks that are just getting started with YouTube is Cam and John like dove into looking at their analytics. Like here are red flags. Here's things that are good. Here's what you're looking for and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things that stood out to me that I've already started doing is when you're looking at retention graphs, if you see at the end of the video that it's just dive bombing, you can go in on YouTube studio and just cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify for the audience, a retention graph is, is, a graph that has a timeline from the start of the video to the end of the video that shows you the percent of people who clicked on the video are still watching at any particular point. And so it's really insightful to know where you're falling short in terms of engagement during your video. So if you say something that pisses people off or you say something that just people find boring or you do a sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sponsor is almost always like this 
sharp U-shaped dip right in the middle of your video. Um, And Cam was even saying like he was correlating specific phrases to dip some retention. So he was like, if I say in a video, oh, this next bit's a little bit boring, he'd be like, well, 3% of people just tuned out of the video at that mm-hmm. exact moment, he's like, I shouldn't say that. That's de- like, I, so that was, that was definitely very eye opening for me. I think he was actually t- saying when he ever said something self deprecating, people would drop off. Oh, interesting. So yeah. you gotta be or, Mr. Confidence. Yeah. He was saying, like, yo, when I'm like, oh, I'm not an expert at this, but this is how I would do it, people would drop right. off when he said that. So instead, he would just say, this is how I would do it. So, cause yeah. it sounds more confident. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was also thinking, Eric, when we said retention graph and uh, Scott had to explain it for the people at home, this is why we need a producer to just throw up a, a graphic on screen. <laughs> I know. Speaking I of know. speaking of throw up, that's a, uh, a, a little uh, insightful little tip on our journey home, Eric. Oh, I know. Oh, oh, right. I know. Yeah. When Eric pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. We'll, we'll get to that. So, I mean, I feel like we we'll could talk about John and Cam's class forever because I think for the three of us, that's what resonated the probably the most. Um, yeah. And probably got our, our brains, you know, churning a lot. They're the conversations that we have uh, all the time. Uh, let's see. After that. And Suman taught a class that, that night, too, but we didn't go to that one. We went to his class the next night. Um, afterwards, again, there was a little mixer, everybody hung out in the lobby and, um, whatnot and what have you, uh, woke up, had breakfast. And then John from Lincoln street had a keynote at 10 AM. And that was where he announced that he quit his full-time job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big clap, move. clap, clap, clap. We're not going to clap <laughs> in the microphones cause that's obnoxious, but yeah. The the summary of of that talk was not necessarily YouTube. It was more of an inspiration and um, kind of brand identity and setting yourself apart. Would you guys say? Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. basically a, a small summary of the class that John taught last year on mm-hmm. basically branding, how to build a brand. Mm-hmm. So he condensed it down into its essence and then he added some inspiration because it's a keynote. It wasn't really supposed to be a class. I think John originally wasn't gonna do anything about branding, but it's kind of his like, it's his main thing. That's his like, it's his expertise in the working world is branding. So he um, he did a little bit of that, which made it a really insightful as well as inspiring. Yeah. It was... Um- Go ahead. Go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are um, John and Cam looking to get put together a uh, course that was very similar to the talk they gave? Um, I think we can neither sort confirm of it, or deny those. Well, okay. yeah, like it, it's not nothing is set in stone yet. It might okay. not ha- it might not happen. Okay, but okay. I guess for everybody who wasn't there, um, both of the sessions were recorded by Cam's video guy. So stay tuned. Right. Might be something yeah. coming on that. Uh, yeah. So we had the keynote. There were some classes. Did you go to any classes day two, Scott? Uh, no? just, just the end of Sumans. I've the whole work, bitch, the whole time I was just standing in the lobby talking to people. So like, I think on day two, I had a really great conversation with Steve Ramsey and another conversation with Frank Howarth. Uh, tell us about Steve. Those. Uh, So with Steve Ramsey, I talked a lot about courses because um, I think one of the biggest pieces of his income pie is his courses that he made several years ago now. And I think two of them 
are performing, have always performed extremely well. And yeah, so courses is something that I've thought about for quite a long time now. Um, I really do. I think naturally I just really like to teach. But with my YouTube channel and my YouTube videos, retention is so important, as we discussed before, that I often glaze over. Well, I always glaze over pretty much every single every single nitty gritty detail. So yeah, courses for me, not only is going to be a financially really awesome, but it's going to allow me to like, scratch the itch of uh, being the teacher that I want to be too. So I don't have yeah. to edit myself at all. I can really dive into the details of every single little thing. And I'm, I'm, I, I think I'll just feel really rewarded um, just by, just for the teaching aspect alone. And then my wallet's going to feel really rewarded if they sell, if they sell well. So yeah, because I think uh, what you're for the people at home, you know, when you're recording a YouTube video, you want to keep it brief. Like a lot of the time, you want to get in there and you want to talk about the nitty gritty of how to like trace a line on a piece of wood, and it's like mm, that's a little bit in depth for the general audience. Because Eric, as we've discussed, most people aren't actually building what we're showing in the video. It's just a form of entertainment for them. So as a result, the YouTube content skews towards entertainment rather than education. I think what you're saying, Scott, is you'd rather do videos in parallel that skew towards education rather than entertainment. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I can put them behind a paywall and the the people who really want to know, they'll get access to that information. Yeah, because that information is more valuable for those people. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, totally. So I would... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, it's... So... Brutal. I'm (laughs) going for it. We have the Canadian standoff. (laughs) So basically, um, the conversation with Steve Ramsey kind of was about what what sort of demographic I want to target with courses because his is... His is skewed so beginner friendly, and I kind of want to go that direction too. So it mm-hmm. was really insightful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that people don't realize, like kind of what you guys were saying, is if I want to do a video that's all about finishing, right? For me to put in all the information that I want to, it'd probably be an hour ish, half hour to yeah. an hour. No one is going to watch that on YouTube. That will not be a successful video. But if you have a five to eight minute video about finishing, then you're like, if you really want to know the nitty gritty, you can get this course. You Then once you make the course, you don't have to be changing the camera angle or add B-roll every two, three, four, five seconds. You could have a 30 second clip of you just talking to the camera. And because, excuse me, because people are paying for this course, they're invested in it and they will like they're there for the information, not just to be entertained. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where you can go if you're trying to teach people and people will pay for that. Yeah. Not on YouTube, though. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting. You know, YouTube could become like there's all these course platforms. YouTube could easily have like a built in section for you know, like people can already become like channel members and do little microtransactions right on YouTube. Why not have like paywalled videos on YouTube that are more in depth? Right. I mean, right? they kind of did that at a very high level uh, several years ago with what was it YouTube TV or something like that? Right. Yeah. I they, remember yeah that. But it was subscribed or something. Yeah. To I can't remember. 
I remember. Reviews. I think eventually they merged it in with YouTube Premium, and then it just kind of fizzled. Became out. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then so what do we do after that? So we're that so okay. Oh, one other thing I wanted to say. Uh, so Scott, you basically stopped taking classes at that point, right? Uh, I did. I did want to go to my buddy's Suman, which was in the evening, but it was yeah. packed, and I kind of got in there a bit late. But I, I, I caught the tail end of it. Gotcha. I was talking to Jay Katz, and he was like, I don't think he only went to like one or two classes. He was uh, like just in the lobby hanging out, and I think that's kind of where a lot of the action is. So unless you see a class that really grabs your interest, you're like, oh, I could learn something from that. You're almost better spent just wandering around looking for a good conversation. It, it doesn't take long to find one either. Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And actually, someone in the comments just uh, just asked if WorkbenchCon was geared towards content creators, and I don't think we answered that in the beginning. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's geared towards content creators, but also people who want to monetize a woodworking or making sort of business. So mm-hmm. if you let's say you have a bunch of lasers and you run an Etsy store, like that's yep. that's also a target of for someone who wants to go to WorkbenchCon. So anyone who wants to monetize a woodworking business or content creation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to learn how to use hand tools or sharpen things or get better at using a table saw, not the way mm-hmm. to spend your money. Don't go to this. You'll be very upset. Yeah. yeah you'll be mean, looking for a woodworking conference. Uh, occasionally right. there are. Like I remember like Chris was all uh, Chris from Cowdog Woodworks or Woodcraft. Damn, I can never remember. Uh, he had works. like he had the hand tools out and he was doing some crafting and stuff. So there was a little bit there, but it's definitely not the main focus of the event. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess, and then we, we we had John's keynote. We had some mm-hmm. lunch. Um, then the one I think besides John and Cam's class that stuck out the most to me was Brad Rodriguez's class from Fix This, yeah. Build That. And that oh, I did go to that one. All... I forgot. Yeah, okay. okay. I was going to say, I could have <laughs> sworn you were there with us. Yeah, um, I was. That was all about how to make, well, his title was something like Easy Money on Facebook Without Making <laughs> New Content. And he was very, very open about the exact dollar amount that he's bringing in on Facebook and how all of us can do it. Um, yeah. And I guess to quickly summarize, and I know this is a poor summary, is you have all this content already made. You might as well leverage it, cut up things that you have in different formats, and just absolutely obliterate and spam the hell out of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, the I most- mean, that's a pretty good summary. Yeah, it's not well, not the best summary, but the interesting thing that I took away from that class is you can actually do A, B, C, and D testing on different videos on right. Facebook. So for everybody at home, that means you can basically cut together a bunch of different edits of a video and test them against each other and see which one performs the best. So it's if you're willing to put the time in, you can basically make any video go viral. Yeah, I have trouble with Facebook and I want to monetize it. I truly do, but I'm starting from zero. And so it would take a lot more effort for me to build up a Facebook page large enough where I can 
monetize it in the way that Brad has because he started five years ago. Right. And he's able to bring in quite a substantial income from Facebook alone. Right. Um, yeah. But And then the problem, the other problem that I have in the same with Zach has is that there is a significant portion of the Facebook income that's not available to anyone outside the U.S. True. So yeah, then correct. that's another kind of reason why I don't want to go down that road. And then the third reason is that Facebook monetization hasn't been around for nearly as long as YouTube monetization True. has. And it just doesn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in a year or two it's just like it's up and gone, right? Right. So... I'm not saying I won't do it, but going back to the conversation before where like the, I only have so much bandwidth, there yep. are other avenues where I feel more secure going down. So yeah. Facebook is not as high as courses for me, let's say. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. So what I did because I was fired up, I was talk during that class, I was talking to Matt from MWA Woodworks and I was like, dude, any suggestions about how to get my channel going on that and he, he just whispers to me he goes just pay to run a bunch of ads on your channel like facebook channel so i did starting this morning i put a pretty large sum of money down on facebook ads and in about six or eight hours i have already tripled my facebook following <laughs> mm -hmm. what did you use as the ad was it just one of your videos i just i i, I found a video that was performing Performing pretty well. It's like a 60 second sizzle reel of like start to finish of a project because mm -hmm. people tend to like those. And yeah. yeah, it's it's working well. So I'm going to see what I can get out of that. You know? OK, I like it. Um, yeah. For people who don't know, to a large degree, you can basically just buy followers on Facebook. They'll like they have a built in ad platform that allows you to even target like you can just tell them I have X amount of dollars to spend and I want to gain followers and they will mm -hmm. optimize your uh, your results based on that, which right. is interesting. Uh, I was talking to the guys pre-show about this. So I have a friend who used to work at Facebook and he would give me like a little Facebook ads gift card every month and he would just let me use it for ads. Um, but I found the tricky thing about that was that you got a lot of low quality followers because when you tell Facebook and maybe it's th this was like, God, like three, four years ago or something like this. So this was a while ago. Maybe it's better now. But if you tell Facebook you want to run an ad to get followers, they will basically show your ad to the group of people that is the most likely to follow any page that pops up in their feed. Hmm. Uh, so you end up with these kind of low quality followers. Now for Eric, you, that doesn't really matter because you're just trying to get past some theoretical thresholds so that you can start posting your videos. Right. But, right. So my whole idea with running the ads is to get myself past, basically rocket myself past the, the threshold to monetize and then I'll stop running ads. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone well, remember I mean, the threshold off the top of their head? I forget. 5,000, 5, I think. 5,000. And then there was a certain amount of watch hours to like or watch minutes. It's like 60,000 minutes, which I'm already past that and I only have like okay. a couple hundred followers. Okay. I don't think I don't think I've ever posted a well, I probably have posted a video on uh Facebook, but not really, not in a long time, and it just let me sign up for the program right away. 
So, so actually, on my Facebook page, I think I have a video that hit a hundred thousand views, or a reel, I should say, that hit a hundred thousand views, and I have about a hundred followers. Like, you think I should just like toss some money at that and just let it rip? That's yeah. kind of what what Matt was saying. Like, that's yeah. What he, I, I think I, I was there in that conversation did. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. But I feel like we it. could go for hours and hours talking about this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. I guess after that, the last class that we went to was Suman's, and that was about mm -hmm. like short form content. For me, it was really interesting to hear somebody kind of talk about like the strategies and, and, you know, playing one video side by side with another video and why did that work and all that kind of stuff. It's not yeah. something that I personally invest a lot of time in, but then when I saw somebody talk about it, I was just like, well, that makes sense why this reel that I posted on Instagram didn't do a damn thing. Because yes. if you step back and look at it with an honest eye, you're like, that was a boring ass video. I think it's interesting. I think both of us are guilty of this. We basically cut together a YouTube video and then we're just like, all right, now I feel obligated to post on Instagram. So right. how many pieces of little, you know, like garbage, garbage. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's your it's attitude. True. To it. You're like, you're creating like shovel content essentially. Right. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. It's like, that's why we're not getting good views. Cause we, we're not putting our full creative power behind them. We're just kind of, it's found content as opposed to crafted content. Right. And you're 100% um, right. Yeah. So I've been trying to do a little bit better about it lately, and it's been working to some degree, but I think I need to uh, take a step back. I mean, I haven't been enjoying Instagram for a long time. I've just been something I've been doing because I felt like I was obligated to do it. Um, so I'm going to take a little bit of a step back, really uh, think about all the things that Simon said and hopefully come back to it stronger and better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm equ equally as disenchanted with Instagram on my end. But the part that keeps going, keeps me going back is just posting stories about what I'm doing and just getting that community feedback immediately from it. Totally. So that's the one good thing that Instagram has going for it. Otherwise, I'm not posting any reels and I haven't been for a long time. Uh, right. Speaking of the community thing, when I was doing stories on my way back from Workbench Conference, it was in saying the level of support that I got from people. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. That's, a, that's another tease. Yeah, that's another, another tease. tease. Uh, so somebody earlier suggested that we just do the after show in the main show. Because uh, we're coming up on an hour right now. Already? Yeah, we've, we've already been talking for an hour. Jeez. So what uh, well, do you guys we're used, think? We're used to talking so much now because of Workbench Con. <laughs> Everything just seems yeah. to fly by. Yeah, exactly. I have an idea. What do you think, Eric? I okay. have an idea. And and let me know what you think. We keep the live stream running, mm -hmm. so people can listen to the to the after show. However, when it's done, we delete it. So anybody who oh. wasn't in the live stream has to Fantastic. go on Patreon to listen to the rest of it. What do you think about that? Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. So let's take a twenty second pause uh, <laughs> right now. So anybody who's listening to the podcast, we're gonna head over to the after show so if you want to unlock that you go to patreon.com slash off the gut podcast and we will see you over there 
you get to hear it's it's worth joining patreon just for the story of my trip home oh yeah (laughs) we've got some stories and we got some questions too we got some questions so everybody we will see you and we're going to take a awkward 20 second pause or so on the live stream but we'll be back